Welcome to week one of Advent at the Bloomington Vineyard. Um, as I've said before, I think it's my favorite season of the year. My favorite Christmas tradition is Advent, and, and I think my favorite, uh, definitely my favorite season of the year. And I think one of the reasons for that is because of the sense of anticipation in the air. Um, because, you know, people are busy preparing for Christmas, they're putting up lights and decorations and, and, and baking treats and all those traditions. But the season of Advent is, is a preparing of our hearts in an anticipation in the coming of the Lord. The word Advent means the, the coming or the arriving, and it's looking forward to the coming of the Lord. Uh, we primarily think of that as being Christmas, the, the first coming of Christ, but it's beyond that. It's also preparing for the coming of, uh, uh, of Christ in his second coming as he returns to earth. So there's this preparation of our hearts and making sure that, that we are ready, our hearts are ready, and everything is ready uh, for his return. So um, you know, it's just my, my favorite tradition. I, I, I'm one that likes traditions to begin with. Um, you know, for example, I love the, uh, old fashioned caroling, you know, where groups of people, you know, maybe eight or 10, 12 people, whatever, go door to door singing, uh, Christmas carols from, from house to house, you know, just, just knocking on the door and then just start singing as as they open the door. I, I, I love that. Uh, the tradition of the Advent wreath, which I already, you know, spoke about and, you know, which I have behind me here with the first candle lit representing hope. I love the, the, the wreath. I love the candles. I love the, the theme of each week, you know, hope and love and joy and peace. Um, I, I and, and, you know, I got to thinking about this and I think that the reason that traditions are so popular is because they all have one thing in common. No matter what our Christmas tradition is, what our tradition of any kind in it is, they all have one thing in common, and that is familiarity. Traditions are familiar to us. We know what to expect. Uh, they're called traditions because we've observed the same thing uh, for, for years, and they've become a part of our lives, a part of our memories, a part of who we are. Uh, we look forward to them with, you know, anticipation in our hearts. And whatever your tradition is, it's become familiar to you. There's even a, even a feeling of nostalgia that comes over us as we begin to experience the uh, familiar traditions year after year. But as I was thinking about this this week and thinking about the very first Christmas, the very first silent night about which the, the carols were written and the pageants were, you know, portray, and I was struck by the thought that there was something missing from the very first Christmas. Our traditions. Our traditions weren't there. There were no Christmas traditions that first Christmas. <clears throat> there was no one going from house to house, you know, singing Silent Night. Nobody was baking special Christmas cookies or Christmas goodies. There were no candlelight services on that first Christmas uh, night. Uh, no one was reading the Christmas story. In fact, there wasn't even a Christmas story yet because it was just then being written in history. The story which for us has become so familiar 
was totally unfamiliar to the participants in whose lives the events were being played out. That which for us has become familiar tradition was for the original cast of characters an unfamiliar adventure of risk. What happened that night had never happened before. Uh, yes, there had been babies born ever since the beginning of man, but that night was different. And without a willingness on the part of Mary and Joseph to respond with a yes to the invitation of, to risk, things would be very different today. But they did say yes. They risked everything. And in so doing, they gave us a wonderful gift. <clears throat> this morning, we're going to start a brand new series for Advent. It's called The Gift of Risk, The Radical Yes of Christmas. Let's begin by looking at Matthew's Gospel. Joseph and Mary are engaged at this point, <clears throat> very much looking forward to the day of their marriage when all of a sudden Joseph discovers that Mary's pregnant. And I mean, that threw a wrench in everything. He is heartbroken. She gives him some wild story about an angel appearing to her and she didn't do anything, but this angel appeared and, and <clears throat> told her that God had chosen her and that she would become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And even though she was still a virgin and, and doesn't matter that that had never happened before, but you know, it was all too much for Joseph to, to take in all too much for him to, um, to buy into. And, you know, it just, it was, it was too far-fetched for him. So he made plans to divorce her quietly. Uh, you see an engagement in those days is a betrothal. Um, it was a legally binding act. Um, it was just like a marriage, but without being consummated yet. So, you know, Joseph, you know, he cared for Mary. He loved Mary. He didn't, he didn't, and, and he was a righteous man. He didn't want to put her through any more humiliation than, than uh, she would already have to go through being pregnant. So he just thought he'd quietly go into the courts, quietly divorce her, be done with the whole thing. But then Joseph had a dream. And in his dream, this angel came to him. And the angel verified everything that Mary had told him. Everything that Mary had said was true. And he said, Mary's baby was indeed conceived by the Holy Spirit, that she was a virgin and, and that he, he was not to be afraid to take her as his wife. And then the angel said to Joseph in Matthew 1.21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That verse is our focus today. As we look at this verse, there's three things that I want us to see this morning. The first thing is we must real, that, that we must realize is that God has a plan, and that plan will not be thwarted. He has a plan, and that plan will not be thwarted. Look at the first part of this. She will give birth to a son. She will give birth and it's going to be a boy. It's, it, it will be to a son. You know, as far back as Genesis 3, when mankind first disobeyed God and sin entered in the world, 
God made a promise. That promise was that he would send a Messiah, that he would send a Savior, someone that would be born of a woman and who would save people from their sin. All through the years, God had a plan. The prophets prophesied about it. The people longed and waited in anticipation. And God was preparing the stage for exactly the right time. Now, if you think about in, in uh, Galatians where it says, when the fullness of God, or excuse me, when the fullness of time came, God sent a son born of a woman. That fullness of time, it wasn't just an opportune time. It was the fullness of time. And what that means in the Greek is that everything was perfectly set. That was the day everything was set with the condition of the the uh, uh, the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, the Roman roads in place for the for the spreading of the gospel. Everything was perfectly in place. So you know God was preparing the stage for exactly the right time. Mary and Joseph were a part of that plan. But here's something we need to understand. There's always a risk involved. Always. God's plan required that people, people that were prone to brokenness, would say yes. They could have easily said no. When the angel came to Mary, instead of Mary saying, I'm the Lord's servant, you know, let him do as he says, she could have said, ha, no way, I, this is not for me. I'm not ready for this. I can't take it. They could have easily opted out of God's plan. They didn't, but they could have. Here's one thing we need to understand, though. One way or another, God was going to accomplish his plan. One way or another. If Mary or Joseph refused, then he would have found some other way. But it was going to happen one way or another. Mary and Joseph had a choice of whether or not they would be a part of the fulfillment of that plan, but they could not have prevented it because God's plans and purposes are set and they cannot be thwarted. The plans and purposes of God, he will do what he plans either with us or without us. One way or another, the Savior was going to be born with or without the cooperation of Mary and Joseph. I'm sure they're so thankful right now today that they said, yes, Lord, to his plan. Second thing I want to see here, I want us to see here, is that um, uh, as part of his plan, God invites us. He invited Mary and Joseph, and he invites us into a life of risk. See, we see that played out with Mary and Joseph here. We see him, you know, he invited them into a risk. The second part of this uh, uh, verse says, you are to give him the name Jesus. When they said yes to God's plan, they chose to participate in that plan by giving their baby the name Jesus. See, in Bible times, people chose names because of the significance of their meaning. And the name Jesus is a shortened version of Joshua, and it means Yahweh saves, the Lord saves, Yahweh saves. By naming him Jesus, they were risking participation in God's plan. 
the name prophetically speaks into him as into his identity as Savior, as Messiah. Now that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? I mean, the one the Israelites have been waiting for for all these years is finally about to arrive. And Mary and Joseph were invited to be part of that plan. But for them to say yes to God's plan means they would be saying yes to a life of risk. They knew what it would mean. I mean, people always whispering behind their backs, the gossip that would take place, the accusations, the judgments against them in people's hearts. They knew what it would what it would mean. Remember, this invitation when it was given to them, invitation to participate in God's plan didn't come with any guarantee. Mary and Joseph weren't told what their life would be like going forward. They would just be going into the unknown. But isn't that what isn't that always what it's like when we respond to God's call in faith? Just going into the unknown. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement used to say, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. To live a life of faith means that we are going to take risks. That's what happens when God invites us into something without giving us guarantees or telling us how it's all going to work out. When we decide we're going to step out in faith, it's a decision to risk. One thing that helps us to take that is, though, is when we see that, that step in the context of God's bigger story, in the greater context. And that's the third thing I want us to consider uh, looking at this verse. God's invitation to us is part of a bigger story. There's a larger context involved than just, I'm inviting you or asking you, will you do this? The angel said, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. And then the angel said, because he will save his people from their sins. That is the larger context. You see that final phrase, that final part is what frames the whole narrative. It sets the greater context to God's redemptive plan. If Mary and Joseph say yes to the plan that God has put in motion, if they say yes to Mary having this baby and naming him Jesus, then they will be playing a part in the big picture, which is Jesus, the Messiah, fulfilling God's promise, his promise from all the way back in Genesis 3. That's the context of the whole thing. That's the whole story. God is about to bring the fulfillment of his promise, and that's the context of his invitation to you and to me. You see, his invitation to us is not just for salvation. Oh, we're going to be saved one day, and we're going to heaven. That's wonderful. That's awesome. We don't want to downplay that at all. But God is bringing his kingdom to earth, and he is inviting you and me to be a part of it. He's inviting us to step out into a life of risk. Let me ask you, what is it that God has been pulling at your heart to do? What is it that he has been asking you to step out and do, to step out and believe, to step out and act on? What is it that his, he's been speaking to you? What risk has God been asking you to take? What step of faith? Now ask, I want to ask, do you see the big picture? 
Do you see how it's a part of a bigger story? If not, then ask him to show you. Ask him to help you see the bigger story. Because it's easier to say yes to the risk when you see it in the context of the big story, the big picture of what God is doing. God is bringing his kingdom to earth. It started with Jesus. And it's continued since that day onward. God's kingdom is coming to earth. And that's how he taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the big picture. You and I get to be a part of it. Just like Mary and Joseph. Yeah, the details of what we'll do obviously will be different. But we get to step out and take a risk and see what God will do. Prepare your heart for the benediction. As you go, may you be people of hope. Let hope live in your heart and share the hope of Christ with all you meet. Share hope by noticing someone else's humanity. Share hope by listening to someone's story. Share hope by praying for our world. In this Advent season, may you see, feel, and share hope as you go out into the wonder of God's creations. Share hope with those you meet. Amen. God bless you. Let's worship some more.